The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. All right, everyone, welcome into the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined today by former Best Ball Mania champion Chess Liam. He's wearing the belt. Uh, we're not going to talk about Week 17 or Underdog or DraftKings or Correlation Matrixes because today, we're when we did this last year too, this is our drafters stream. Uh, if you guys aren't playing on drafters, very simple. It is a Best Ball contest with no playoffs. No eliminations. It is simply the most total points wins. So we are going to do a little bit of strategy. Um, their big best ball contest last year overlaid by about 20%. I don't remember exactly. I think I ended up firing 80 entries into their big tournament last year. I think 80 is a good target for me to get to this year. Um, and I actually think the overlay this year. Uh, so as of right now, Liam and I are recording this on Tuesday, August 8th. It is 11.34 a.m. Central Time. It's about 20% full right now, maybe 19%. I'm not going to do the math right now. Liam, how you doing, buddy? And uh, are you excited to chase some overlay? Super excited. I wouldn't say we're not going to talk about Week 17 because I can't imagine not trying to win drafters and the 17th game with the game stack. You know, just like someone thinks they're safe. They have a hundred point lead. And what's this? You have the full stack of Dallas, Detroit. You come back, you become the champion. Well, Excited to talk drafters though. It's a different, uh, total points is a totally different game. It's, it's, it really is such a different game. I do just want to make the point though, last year, the guy who won, I mean, by like week 15, it was clear he was going to win. He ate, he had Jalen Hurts and he ate. He had Jalen Hurts and another quarterback who got I hurt. I have the team right now. He has Jalen Hurts and Zach Wilson, and he ate a zero like three, three times. or four weeks to end the season. Yeah. Um, so very simply, we'll, we'll go through a couple strategy points. But Liam, the number one strategy in a cumulative scoring system is league winners, right? Whereas had you, I mean, last year on underdog.com, on DraftKings, you take Josh Jacobs, you take Justin Jefferson, you take Jalen Hurts. You got all the league winners. You got all you 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 know you you got all the guys who were far and away great in advance. Right? Guess what? You were still shit out of luck in Week 17 because Jalen Hurts stunk, Josh Jacobs stunk, Justin Jefferson stunk. Or I think Jacobs maybe didn't even play in Week 17 last year. If I'm if I'm no, correct, he just played the Niners and stunk. There we go. He played the Niners and stunk. Um. So 
it is a different ball game because you're banking the points. I actually think for the way I draft, which is I, I I love player takes. I've always loved player takes. And it's you can't really draft that way on underdog, or it's it's harder to draft that way on underdog and on DraftKings. I actually like the league winner style of drafting. It, you know, there's like there's less strategy in some ways because it's like how much talent is there in that you selected Josh Jacobs versus another running back that went right next to him in a draft. So in that sense, like that is a little bit less strategic to me, but in another sense, there's a lot of strategy because like, I still think unique combos is a thing. I don't think you can punt any position and win. So if you're trying to like punt off tight end, you need those tight ends to actually produce. Um, Cause year after year, we've seen the total point winners have had Kelsey on it or last year's champion had Kittle and Ingram where yeah, they had a bunch of weeks where they probably just got five to 10 points, but Ingram and Kittle both gave you several 30 to 40 point games, which is just like, you need to have those guys. If there's a guy that's going to drop 50 twice in a season, or like you almost have to have that person like Gabe Davis dropped 40 in one game was not on the winning team, but you know, the, the obviously the champions just loaded at running back and wide out. That's and actually, then- that's actually a good point, which is that, spike weeks matter so much more than consistency you could argue in a format with eliminations and with where taking zeros is so harmful you you know i mean sort of your your leonard fournette's your uh i don't know dalton schultz is like these guys who are have are are gonna have like a very consistent role but are not gonna have a huge week-to-week ceiling those guys are still pretty valuable something uh, i actually posted a drafters team the other day and a couple guys mentioned to me they were doing teams with just one quarterback or just one tight end, like one elite quarterback, one elite tight end, and then just trying to bank a lot of spike weeks at running back and wide receiver. And I, 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 I on the face of it, that's a very bad min cash strategy, like an extremely bad min cash strategy, but it is a very good, if you hit the nuts, this provides a differentiator. Like, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of, t- there's going to be, I don't know. Um, the contest size is 111,000 people. I'm going to guess it gets to 80,000 entrants. So you're trying to beat about 80,000, 85,000 other entries. And could be way less though, right? Like there could, could be, just way be less. major overlay this year. We, we truly don't know. I mean, part of the struggle on drafters is, you know, late at night, there's just literally not as many users. So It'll fill, yeah, like people, you know, you join, you want to get a draft down. You're going to leave the room after five minutes if it doesn't fill. Right. Um, it will pick up over time, but yeah, I mean, I, I've seen the one quarterback strategy. I'm still going to tack on a late round Sam Howell or whatever. Personally, I agree. I'm never going one quarterback or one tight end because, you know, like the winning team last year had Nick Westbrook Akine on his team. It had Cedric Wilson on his team. So he took zeros. So swinging for upside is definitely something you should do with every single pick. But, you know, obviously Nick Westbrook Akine could have been a quarterback right it can be now if you're if you get screwed in a room and you're looking at like mac jones or a legitimate upside player okay maybe i will roll with with like jalen hurts but um you know there there are cases where you would have a winning team and travis kelsey gets hurt like week 15 if you go solo tight end and if sure. you had just packed on a hunter henry or whoever if you, you had hunter won. henry yeah. But you didn't because you thought you were the smartest guy in the room with this unique strategy and you lose $300,000 because of it. 
So yeah, I I like um and I like this on DraftKings as well. Um, I I've only done this once, which is taking four tight ends in a twenty round draft and and just all late picks. Like your your tight end room is uh Dalton Schultz, Hunter Henry, Jake Ferguson, and Trey McBride or whatever. You know I and I. Uh, I I've become a little bit of a late round tight end evangelist where, especially if I like after Pitts and Waller, like I hate paying for, you know, Friar Muth or I, and I know you love Dalton Kincaid. I've actually, I'm, I'm warmed to Kincaid a little bit because how could you writers, not with the buzz, you know? <laughs> well, all the, all the, all the beat writers, all the beat writers are, are very, very pro There's like zero negative reports. It's just like the connection is glowing in camp. <laughs> I, I still think, Week one, he's going to have like 30% route participation and Deontay Hardy is going to be out there a ton. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's a spike week game though, right? Like it, you don't need him to, who cares about the games where he has five points? Will he yeah. hit 15, 20 points in several games? Okay. So a key thing is though availability for all 17 games. And that is a huge difference between drafters and the weekly games, right? So for example, Brees Hall, I have not taken on drafters yet. I love Brees Hall, specifically on DraftKings. Uh, Javante Williams, not as into him on drafters. Jamison Williams, undraftable. But the the other ones are the guys where their ADP is roughly similar to the weekly sites, but their early season availability is not going to be good. So Jackson Smith and Jigba is a big one. Um, Quentin Johnston is a big, like of just a lot of these rookies where, their ADP is so pumped up on other sites and ADP, you know, this is, it really is so inertia based. It takes a long time for an uninjured player to get anything close to what they're, you know, like ADP is efficient, but it is obviously not perfectly efficient, especially because, you know, the, the drafters ADP more or less mirrors the other sites, right? Even though the scoring is so different. So I wanted to talk about a couple things you said real quick. Uh, one is on the punt tight end strategy. Like, I do think there are some years where it will work. Like, if you hit on Luke Musgrave and Laporta and whatever, and they just keep on stringing together these, like, 15-point weeks for you in PPR land, you, you, you've you won it. But, I mean, literally, like, all the top teams had either Kelsey or Kittle or Hawkinson on it. Um and so I'm personally of the mindset that like if there are tight ends that are going to spike and they're the elite guys, like they're almost more likely to be on the drafters champion, just like locking in a Hawkinson for week seven, like 17 games and allowing you to go like two, like three late. is probably so much more valuable than like taking a wide receiver that scores similarly to him or Kelsey or Kittle. So I personally think, I mean, Hayden, Hayden has made this point a ton that the tight end, like tight end 25 through 35, just straight up out project the wide receivers that are going around without accounting for the fact that they help you at a position where the scoring is way worse. I agree with that, but it's the fact that you have to start three wide receivers is why we'll still gamble on the wide out and you only have to start one tight end. So like the ability to add the extra dart to other positions, I think is more valuable. Um, also on the idea of drafting guys like Brees Hall and Jameson Williams. I personally still will be. Brees Hall was on the first and second place team last year. He played what? How many games last year? Like six games. Um, I don't think it's but great. He, and, and he was, and he was a huge 
league winner, right? I mean, I I, I guess I don't remember exactly. I want to say he was like a seventh round pick last year. My he brain, was, like, it, it was like fourth through six. He dropped as things got more expensive, but okay. also like you could find Josh Jacobs, Ken Walker, Damian Pierce, Mostert late. So can you find those guys? Um, guy, you know, like Jameson Williams. I don't think you should be drafted at the same spot he goes on a site like Underdog. But let's say he returns uh, week seven and he get now you have 10 games plus the buy. So nine games. How many games above 20 points does he need to hit for you to risk carrying the zero? Because I personally think like if especially when you're if you go like a zero RB team and their buys are later in the season. So after Jamison Williams is suspended, I think it's especially OK to throw him on. Because we know how the market valued him. We can look at the big board. Jameson Williams was was valued as a 5-6 turn guy before the suspension. So he was valued around Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, guys like that. Um, now you can say Buzz has gone negatively on him. I still think he has the potential to have huge spike weeks. Like two 30-point games he could hit. Um, especially with as many dome games as they get. And you know potential lack of carbon... Uh, target competition down the field. So I do think I will roll the dice on some of these guys because you could kind of, you know, you can make up with it with your Darius Slayton's or whatever guys filling in your spot to carry on huge spike week guys. I think that, so I think maybe my base case, I just, I'm, I am not that high on Jameson Williams. I like just, which is, is totally, I mean, I go into these, um, wormholes with myself all the time where I'm like, well, yeah, that's the 60 IQ take, right? The 60 IQ take is Jameson Williams had one catch. He, uh, you know, came off the ACL and wasn't able to out target or out snap Khalif Raymond. He, you know, then immediately earns this suspension for something that like a very serious guy who's taking his career very seriously would not have earned a suspension for, even if we think it's stupid, which we all do. We don't think Jameson Williams should be suspended, but you know, uh, John Dotson didn't get a six game suspension, right? Because he's taking, he's taking shit seriously. And Sam Sherman has made this point on ADP chasing before, which I think is pretty important, which is that when you, when you just run these filters for guys who have missed time in year one, regardless of the reason injury, they play on a good team. They got suspended. They, you just, whatever it is, the N plus one comps become way worse, right? So the N plus one comps with guys with even first round wide receivers who miss time, it ends up being more difficult for them. I'm not, I'm not burying Jamison Williams. And this could very well be a 60 IQ take that looks extremely bad for me down the, the, the road or whatever, but I just am not that into him. For me, it's just the guy went 12th overall in a wide receiver class that generated what, like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Like he went ahead of some of these guys. Um, he's, you know, I don't think Jared Goff is a magical deep threat guy. I think hitting him for one catch is ignoring the fact that he caught like three touchdowns and like two were called back by penalty. It, it like, was just one. It was just one other one that was called back by penalty. But yes, it is true. Yeah, like he had like, he, had, he actually like had some uh, games where, you know, like the balls here or there and he's going to smash. I think Dan camp, Dan Campbell of course is trying to motivate this guy, right? Like maybe things have not landed for him, but I'm not, you know, possibly what you said is true. Maybe he's going to come back. He's going to disappoint. I think he's going to come back and he could legitimately have three 30 point games potentially. 
right? Like, I mean, this is a guy who could have a 200-yard receiving game with two touchdowns. There's not a lot of guys in football that can do that. You're you're so right. And I, I do still take him, obviously, when I have Jared Go- – uh, well – there's kind of like a get out of jail free card where you can take Jamison round nine, then take Goff sometimes. But I, I take him sometimes when I take Dak as well. I just, you know, if I'm if I'm comparing absolute range of outcomes where he's going, like I do like Sky more better, I think, even though I think Sky sucks. It just it feels doesn't it, I know and I know you it's hate like Sky's teams. gonna give you a bunch of like 10 to 15 games, but like here's the here's the and here's the teams that Jameson Williams gets to play Ravens pace up game Raiders terrible game Chargers probably a shootout Bears terrible defense Packers in the Lions Dome Saints in the Saints Dome Bears again awful Broncos bad Vikings in the Vikings Dome like those are some games he could like the Vikings have the worst secondary in football a lot of those games I think are pretty exciting uh he also gets I think the no he does not get the Bucks but I mean, I don't know. It's I think he should be cheaper on drafters, but he's also you get the three extra games on drafters versus a site like Underdog where that's true, where you only you know you need the you needed the production to come weeks and one through four. It, I guess it's it is not that hard to say. Um, first six weeks of the season, your team's not going to have as many injuries. The bye weeks haven't started yet. Like you can paper, you can paper over Jamison Williams eating zeros from you. I don't know. That was, that was my gut instinct when I, cause I just have started drafting teams right now. Um, I, I think I'm in about 25 slow drafts on, on drafters right now. So I haven't even, and I've done, I think I've done like 10 fast. So I haven't even gotten all the way there yet, but, um, just just sort of young player optimism in general. I actually think you are so much better suited on a site like drafters to actually doing the Leone and just sort of eating the boring veterans, right? Like I think those, especially, you know, guys. With I'm just some... not dra- like if he fall, he should fall into like the round 10 and 11 range. And like, here are the wide receivers who went there in this recent draft. I did Nico Collins, Michael Gallup, Jacoby Myers, Tyler Boyd, Zay Jones, Rondale Moore. The, those... Yeah, like I, I like Nico more than him because I think you, I think Nico okay, sort, also sort of has a very similar range. You're competing with the Nico team, my Nico teams who have Nico in the 16th round. You know, so I think um, players who rose in cost. So these are like Alexander Madison, Joe Mixon. You can draft these players, but you need to do it strategically, where. I mean, yeah, Nico Collins going from a 13th round pick to a 10th round pick is not too prohibitive. It is where all those quarterbacks you want, though, go. Richardson, yeah. Daniel Jones, Kirk and gang. Um, but a guy like Madison, I'm pretty much never taking on a site like Drafters, just thinking it's too hard to compete. Yeah. Unless I'm getting a unique combo at the top of the draft. So I think on teams where you take a falling Josh Jacobs, a falling Jonathan Taylor, a falling Ramondre or Brees Hall. It's okay to mix in these Madisons and Joe Mixons because your combos at the top are going to be unique versus what people could get back in May. So I do think you need to be thoughtful about the teams that you will take, the players who have really jumped in uh, ADP value personally. Yes, I think I think that is I think that is legit. We should actually talk a little bit more about the value of combos on um, on drafters because again, 
you are competing with all of these teams across like being unique and having good combos is important on the playoff sites. But if you think about it, a lot of the combos that you're going to be competing, even combos that you would want later in the season are going to be eliminated. You know, there might be, there might be a hundred thousand teams that have a better combination of first three round picks than you. But if you just happen, your pod breaks a certain way and your, your team ends up in week 17. Um, you know, the, the fact that, a bunch of those other teams got closing line value on Leonard Fournette or Tyler Lockett, just, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I actually think in week 17, those, those uniqueness things matter a little bit less. They hyper matter on underdog or on drafters, which, so one thing I'm doing is specifically when I get wrap picks. So 10, 11, 12, I'm doing weird shit there. So I'm doing things like taking, Devonte Adams at 10 and Pollard at 14 or, and just because I don't think we've actually talked about this before. You're not sacrificing that much in per game projection, but whatever you are sacrificing, you are making up 10 X in leverage because that combination of players is going to be so unique. You definitely want to get unique. You need to be careful because like if three people have the same thought, all of a sudden you're allowing the Jefferson drafter to get unique by taking uh, Devonte Adams at the you know, at the two. Well, three. not no 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 two three turn people are getting Devonte Adams in my rooms. I can guarantee you that. Um, but you know, like uh, even things like taking, you know, this is like an extreme example, but even taking like Lamar and Andrews at the one two turn, um, you just kind of need to smash your next five to six picks, but you know your combo of Lamar and Andrews with all those players is going to be pretty unique unless that combo of Lamar is falling at the four or five turn. So you being thoughtfully unique, I think definitely plays. Um, what's your take on the elite quarterbacks and whether you think they're going to be on the winning team? Because the year before the drafters champion had Burrow and Kirk Cousins, two mid-range guys last year, it had sixth round Jalen Hurts, who obviously was just an absolute league winner. And then a total zero at quarterback and Zach Wilson. So pretty much was a solo quarterback team this year, you know, in my recent drafters draft, Allen went in the second Mahomes went in the second Hertz went in the third Lamar went in the fourth uh, Burrow fields, Herbert and Lawrence went in the fifth and then Watson goes in the seventh. And then all the guys that you were kind of optimistic about going like the ninth and 10th. So this is Tua, Dak cousins, Richardson, Jones, Gino Rogers, Goff. So would you rather, you know, let's pretend you drafted all your teams the same way. Would you like to have a lot of elite quarterback and you push your second quarterback? So like Josh Allen and Sam Howell, Josh Allen and CJ Stroud, Josh Allen and Desmond Ritter, something like that. Or would you like to have a bunch of two to three quarterback teams where you go to a Geno Jones, Richardson, uh, Goff, Prescott, combos like that? So I think... On average, I would rather have one top four quarterback, one late. If I could only do it one way, it would be Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Lamar, and then, you know, Stroud, Young, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Howell, whoever, as opposed to the uh, Dak, Carr, Goff, you know, whatever um, permutations. I think you're, you're, because spike weeks are mattering so much. Those guys are going to have way more, you know, 30 balls. 
some of them are like, you know, Lamar will probably get like 240 balls or whatever over the course of a season. You know, it's just kind of the way it works. Now, I would say if if I could choose, well, picking a league winner at quarterback feels more important now than it would have in years past where you could just kind of figure out quarterback 12 scoring and the quarterback 12 wouldn't be that far away. But with those high-end guys scoring so many points right now uh, this year, or last year, really last two years. Like, for example, if Trevor Lawrence shows up and it's just unbelievable and they're they're letting him gun for numbers, like the Jaguars kind of want him to get MVP or whatever, and they let him just go nuts, he could be hugely important for fantasy. Or if Anthony Richardson really does do rookie year Cam Newton and runs for like 850 yards and 15 touchdowns, you're like he's going to be almost required in yeah. this scoring setting. Um so I, I would keep my range balanced, but I would balance it in the direction of getting Lamar, specifically Lamar, because he's he's just a little, I don't know what it is. I mean, Lamar, when you start firing up projections, like go look at week one DFS projections or whatever, like Lamar is going to project on par with Hertz and Allen and Mahomes, but he goes 10 picks after them in all these formats. Like Lamar is like a really great bet to make this year, in my opinion. I will say a feather for the elite quarterbacks is if Jacob sits out and Taylor doesn't play and a couple other dudes get injured, all of a sudden elite quarterback is smashing because the other picks are failing by default. And all you really need to do is hit some running backs in that Damian Pierce through Damian Harris range. So the running backs in the 6th through 11th round, you just got to hit a couple of those guys. And the other people are just failing because their running backs fell apart. Um, along with Lamar, like Fields is a guy I definitely want, but he's like a three quarterback guy for me where he has a low floor, but he also has a super high ceiling. So like my recent team, I, I went Fields in the fifth, Love in the 14th, and then CJ Stroud in the 16th, where it's like I'm doing Fields for the you know super high spike weeks where, I mean, he literally could just, run for 100 yards any game and a touchdown. And then Love and Stroud are, you know, hopefully reaching me 20 in the weeks where he throws five interceptions. Um, Lamar, yeah, super pace up. They got a bunch of new weapons, super in on him. Um, Herbert, like, has a really good O-line, got the OC upgrade. So really in on Herbert I'm, as well. I'm really buying that angle more as the offseason goes on, that Herbert might just get totally loosed by Helen Moore. Yeah, it, it's like, it's hard because like, you know, it's hard to be like that optimistic on a guy Keaton Allen's age who, you know, is like not as good, but like, give me the big Mike, give me the Everett, give me the um, Quentin Johnston. Johnston. I, I get Keenan too. Lo Lawrence, I'm totally in on. Like, I think Lawrence, it would not shock me if he led the league in passing. Like literally, the, like you add yeah. Cal Ridley, you add that it's his third year, you add that, you know, he has a second year with a real NFL coach. You know, like Lawrence could explode. Um, and then, yeah, like I would definitely want to have some teams that like have Allen and Richardson, Lamar and Richardson. Oh, like, yeah, I do that. I actually do that a lot on underdog where you take one elite quarterback and then backstop him with Richardson and stop it, too. Because he Richardson still does go in that range of like pretty dead wide receivers. Like, you know, like I'm not really wanting to take. Cortland Sutton or Michael Thomas. It, it, it's the running back opportunity cost that could screw you because 
I was kind of surprised we didn't see any, like we didn't see a Hertz Fields team win it last year, where like Fields was was like pretty free, pretty right? Free. Yeah. But but why was he not on the winning team? Well, a some of this is random. Like you need to hit all your picks. But the other thing is that he probably came at the cost of like a Ken Walker or you know like some running back that was just absolutely essential to um, acquiring a lot of points. Yes. Um, all right. I mean, what other, what other key strategy points are there to discuss? I mean, uniqueness league winners, um, there, there used about- to be the talk that zero RB could not win a total points format because you start too slow because, you know, so it used to be the thought that, Hey, you need to have one of these Ecklers, CMCs, Barclays, Pollards, whatever. Um, because, you know, if you start with Tank Bigsby, you know, as your RB2, you're just not getting RB points. We saw zero RB smash last year, but that's not necessarily predictive, right? Like, a lot of that we require, you know, it really depends on the health and how the expensive running backs do. Now, there's plenty of questions on the expensive running backs. Yeah. Najee, ETN, Jacobs, Taylor... Joe Mixon, Madison, right? Like there's questions on some of these guys. Aaron Jones is getting up there. Questions on a lot of them and wide receivers are more expensive than ever. So you're really left chasing it. If you, if you don't, like if you only have one wide receiver through five rounds, you know, you are, you're you're just, yeah, Yeah. you're just behind the eight ball. Yeah. So what, um, do you think it's more likely the champion has three wide receivers through five rounds or, um, you know, like, or I guess it's like, what, when do you think the champion will take the first running back? If you just had to guess right now, round three, right. He, and he gets, he gets us, he gets Jonathan Taylor. He takes two sick wide receivers, takes Jonathan Taylor and uh, Jonathan Taylor plays 17 games. Right. I mean, that that's, that's gotta be the easiest thing. Yeah. I would, you know, I, I would do a mix for my portfolio. So we of course want to be drafting like we're right in this format. So like I'm, what, you know, my most recent team, I went uh, CMC and Saquon at the, I got CMC at six and Saquon at 19. And then I went Gibson and Charbonnet in round nine and 10. And then I went Malik Davis in round 20, just betting against Pollard. And hopefully that's him, but it's pretty much a four running back team where almost every week I'm counting on CMC and Barkley to just hit the lineup. And I'm just going volume at, wide receiver and tight end um the wide receivers we go as volume picks like probably should be weighting them towards guys like a mbs a dpj again we don't need these guys to have a good floor just what is their ceiling um i don't know any any thoughts on any of that or any other takes no i i did i did have another i did have another thought though which is that you should be hyper aware in these drafts of like the random guy who falls by around in just for whatever reason, your room is doing your room is bad. You're just, you know, teams construction calls for it, but like just getting Christian Watson 10 spots later than AP, like, like I even more hyper aware on drafters than in the weekly playoff sites, I think. Um, Let's run through who we think could be some league winners. Yeah. And running I think back. This, it's the, it's the right way. I think this is the right way to do discussions. We got to go through the positions and give the guys we think are going to be 
the Josh Jacobs, uh, yes. you know, mandatory guys. The Ken Walkers, the yes. So let's um, do we want to say round round seven or so? Yeah, let's just go outside the top, outside the top seventy picks. The top. Uh, do you want me to share my screen with you? I have a draft board, or, or I got, I got, I have. Uh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm literally in twenty seven slow, so I can just okay, pull so it right the, up. The top seventy picks on mine, uh, drafters draft is Montgomery and after. So Miles Sanders and Damian Pierce did not make it. Who? Damian Pierce is a guy who I think could be a league winner, by the way. I really, I really like him. So I'll go with a guy I don't even really believe in. Like I'm more off of him than on him, but I it's so clear how it burns me, which is DeAndre Swift, where he basically just does what Miles Sanders does last year. He gets used even more in the passing game than Sanders ever did because Sanders is bad at catching passes and Swift is pretty good at it. Now, I'm only half-heartedly saying this because Kenneth Gainwell is my most drafted player on DraftKings, and it's, so it's it's an I acknowledge that that backfield is valuable i acknowledge that the role that swift projects to play is valuable i just think his coaches are gonna hate him but I, i'm so afraid of getting burnt by him that i can't even come close to a full fade like it just his range of outcomes is is ex so extremely wide yeah i think the people who are confidently uh saying what's going to happen in the eagles backfield are like insane it's like it's so clear that's just such a valuable spot in the sense that they have an extremely good O line. They probably got a huge talent upgrade, honestly, going from Swift, going to getting to like you know Miles Sanders is fine, but like Rashad Penny is probably like the best peer runner in football, and totally. and the Eagles is like a smart organization where Swift could absolutely smash. I would never want to full fade him on a site like this. Um, you know, I think James Cook would be a dis a, a hard guy in a managed league. No, no, but I I think I th I actually might be more bullish on a a Bills player than you. I'm starting I'm starting to really like Cook. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy who's been a priority target of mine recently. Like I originally started the draft cycle being like Damian Harris is very good. I think he's going to get a lot of goal line. We don't even really know if he's going to be the RB two in Buffalo. It really could be Latavius Murray. Harris got nicked up in practice. Not a big deal on there, but um james cook all you really need to do him to do is just have those spike weeks and him combined with like some like yeah rashad white's gonna have way more 15 point games maybe right but that's not the yeah. aim of the game like cook could hit 30 in some games 40 in some games if he you know devin singletary who was the starting running back in buffalo is one of the slowest running backs in football like he regularly would just have open field and get tackled 10 yards down the field. So James Cook would not be shocking at all. Um, I would, you know, Penny, obviously, in the same discussion as Swift. And then Charbonnet, like maybe Ken Walker doesn't start week one. And Charbonnet is literally just Ken Walker from last year. Like the running the guy went second in the draft. It's on a really good O, o line and offense we want to bet a lot on. So would not shock me at all if Charbonnet just smashes or maybe like walker is slow to start and charbonnet is so good that we don't see um like, like the the seattle's like you know what walker like we'll let you do some home run shots here or there but it's mostly going to be the charbonnet show like that that would not be shocking um it's possible for sure 
I don't re- like. It's hard to see either of the Washington guys being league winners. They feel more like well, safe RB two. Gibson, like they're, they're going to give you points. Gibson could be a league winner if Robinson is just a trap back, like just in between the twenty, and they give Gibson goal line stuff and the McKissick role. Like if he gets two hundred twenty carries and eighty targets, he, he could definitely do it, in my opinion. And Robinson could be the league winner if. He was shot in the leg last year. He actually did catch some balls in college. And this coaching staff also sours on Gibson. They're like, you know what? It's the Brian Robinson show. So I draft them both. Gibson's gotten more expensive over time. Um, How about Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I think think they both very clearly meet this description. I mean, Kamara... So obviously, because Kamara has literally been a league winner, like three out of his years as a player. And I I mean, I would find it hard to believe that he truly has nothing left in the tank. And that last year, like maybe he does and maybe he's toast. And that's why they just signed Kareem Hunt and they have Jamal Williams and they draft Kendra Miller. But honestly, my guess is that he still probably is pretty good. And that if he plays well, Derek Carr is going to throw him the ball and that he is going to earn a lot of touches. Like I, I think, I think the Kamara use case is so straightforward. I don't have a lot of him, but like I de- like reports from camp are that he looks good now, you know, hard to know who's like a fan of the team and just like, well, they, there was that, there was that report that the players want to throw the ball to him more that like they had like a non coaches meeting about like, yeah, we got to get, Kamara the ball more I mean maybe that's just bad science for Michael Thomas <laughs> but uh the I mean the th- yeah the thing with Kamara and the Saints is oh, I, my, I Michael Thomas is dead Michael Thomas is like undraftable I still draft him because there's a cha- you, you know I, I pulled because, off recently but because you can't help yourself no I mean he was good last year when he played too but he um, played like four like he just played like five games and averaged like 17 points a game I think he played four games. Whatever. He 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 was uh game logs here. Let's see. 22, eight, he played three games. <laughs> Even worse. So we're uh, both wrong. That they had stats from. But yeah, I mean, I'm a little worried that the Saints just like won't score enough touchdowns where PPR site, you don't need as many touchdowns. Um, it's also just like, you know, you have a see, I'm not I'm not really worried about the Saints. They have they have that crazy easy schedule you they know? have an easy schedule but couldn't you see a lot of games being like 20 to 17 20 to 13 i don't think that's that that seems more of a problem to me for like uh like a, like a lave and and stuff like that like i think kamara kamara can totally get there 14 carries six receptions you know 147 sc- like scrimmage yards and a touchdown you're yeah that's that's so true and i mean they get to play in the dome um but it's also just like and on ppr it's not as worrisome but you have like the ultimate touchdown vultures in jamal williams plus Taysom hill plus like like wh- what are the saints doing they're just bringing all these tight ends um it's kind of that's kind of their deal they've always done that um something i think you should undoubtedly be doing is gambling on the rb twos and threes that the market refuses to do because they're afraid because oh the market yeah. the market in one breath won't draft jonathan taylor but in the other breath they won't try to guess who the rb2 is so the running backs of this is the um, this is the samaj p ryan um 
Yeah. What's his name? Chris I mean, Evans thing. Literally, when we go through the first and second round, we do not draft these running back twos and threes consistently. We do not draft Saquon's backup. We do not draft Eckler's backup. We do not draft Pollard's backup. We do not draft Jacob's backup. Oh, I draft uh, Malik Davis is my most drafted player on DraftKings. It could be Dowell, right? We don't draft Ramondre Stevenson. We don't draft Jonathan Taylor's. We don't draft um, Joe Mixon's. We don't draft Brees Hall's. We don't draft Cam Akers, who honestly, like, reports are kind of becoming negative on him, too. Um, so do you want to run through some of these guys and take a guess at who you we think the RB2s and 3s are in these backfields? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you, okay. You, you start. Eckler. Um, and you're allowed to say a free agent, but you have to say the free agent if you if you uh I, so I Eckler, think I, I think Eckler is Kelly. I, I think it's Kelly. I've been I've been playing it like it's Kelly, but it would not be shocking for a rookie in Spiller to start like this is literally what we're seeing with Zamir White. Like oh yes, I agree. So I've been playing it as it's as it's Kelly, but um again, we're we're gambling with these picks, and it's okay to gamble on zeros. I'm not on the wave with other people that you can't take zeros. I think like where, where you take a zero matters. And, you know, Leone does a lot of great research, but I don't think he encapsulated how much value do you get when you smash on a 20 point per game player that the field doesn't take, you know, there's the other side of the coin that wasn't equated for there. Um, Pollard. Uh, Malik Davis. Malik Davis is second in all these drills. Malik Davis played as a rookie over Dowdle, who'd been with the team for a year before last year. I, I think it's clearly Malik Davis, and I think Malik Davis is so undervalued. Because um, I think I've been he, only I think drafting have... Davis myself. Um, you know, preseason depth charts pretty meaningless. Dowdle, what Dowdle, Rico, whatever Rico, whoever was listed as the RV two. Uh, there's been some Deuce Vaughn hype too. Yeah, but Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn is just like fun little gadget plays. Like Mike McCarthy's never gonna trust him to play 30, 40% of the snaps or whatever. Um, like no chance. Nick Chubb if Jerome Ford's injury is serious. I don't so, even know who the RB3 is there. Do you? Uh well, John Kelly played last year, but that seems like if the Jerome Ford injury is serious, that seems like the most likely spot for Leonard Fournette because they like to have uh chubbs compliment play on passing downs and there there it would be so Demetric felton switched from practicing at wide receiver running back like he just practices with the running backs now but he's not you you wouldn't want to go into a season planning on being a team that wants to run the ball 500 times with only Demetric felton and john kelly as your backup running backs like that's i i will say if jerome ford is seriously injured we got we got Leonard Fournette. Which I doubt. It's just like a hamstreak. He'll probably be fine. Oh, by the way, Kareem Hunt did sign with the Saints, so that's yes, probably the Camara holdover. Um, Saquon. So you got Eric Gray Matt, or Matt, Matt or Brita. Matt Brita. It's Matt Brita. I'm I'm on the Eric Gray train. It's just like Brita is ancient. He was fast. He was there last year. He didn't do anything. The organization drafted Gray. He's not he like I want to say he's like Devin Singletary, but that's only because he's very slow. So, like, that's kind of what I'm thinking they saw in him. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so, I think it's Deion Jackson, but um, Daigle was telling me that basically 
they all think Zach Moss is going to be able to just come back that Zach, Zach Moss is, is cause it was an arm injury. So he can, his conditioning will be fine and he will just come back and be the, the backup. But I, I'm, I think it's Dion Jackson. So on the Zach Moss thing, that would be like when I drafted Jeff Wilson and won BBM two after he was hurt where, yes. I mean, Moss was, it's only supposed to be six weeks for Moss. So, I mean, now in my opinion, Moss is not that good. And because just because Jeff Saturday and gang gave Moss 20 carries a game. I don't know if the, if the new coaching staff would do that. I personally draft Evan Hull. I'm just betting on the athletic freak. I've heard no positive buzz. So I just know it could be a zero, but that's how I play it. Ramondre. <laughs> for the, for the audio listener, Davis just put his head. Kevin, in his Kevin, Kevin Harris. I, I, when I do draft one, I do Pierre Strong. It. I would guess that Zeke does sign there. Though. Yeah, yeah. They they feel like the most likely spot for a vet because they always do that. The other thing is apparently Pierre Strong has just sucked at practice. Like Belichick's pissed at him. Ramondre got a rest day the other day, and Pierre Strong didn't play with the ones at all. Now this is like classic Belichick stuff. Like he obviously he just does shit like this, but. The vibes are the there. I'm getting Tyquan Thornton. Belichick doesn't like this guy vibes from Pierce. I think, you know, I could be totally wrong here, but I think Kevin Harris is like the bruiser. So he'll be most likely to be like goal line replacement and Pierre Strong's explosive. So like, and I mean, that Patriots offense is still slow. Like they need speed on the field. Um, yes. Yeah. Josh, uh, Jake, Josh Jacobs. Previously, Zamir White was undrafted. I have a lot of early Zamir White shares. It seems yeah. he, like yesterday, the athletic had a great article on Samir white hyping him up about him, like working on farms and stuff, uh, getting country strong. And so seems pretty positive that it's Zamir. seems or, clearly him, but then like one of Brandon Bolden or Amir Abdullah plays like way more on third downs than you want. It would be to. Abdullah. It seems yeah. like, yeah. um, Brees hall. Oh man. I'm going to say Dalvin. I'm going to say they get it done because Rodgers wants it. it. It's like clear that like Rodgers want, wanted him to sign. This is a situation where it's like we know Aaron Rodgers is a pretty weird guy. And so if it was not Dalvin, whoever between Zonathan Knight, Michael Carter, and Abana Kanda would like be the closest friend to Aaron Rodgers is going to see the field. Totally. And it's probably like I feel like Rodgers has never – like been great friends with a rookie running back. Like we're trying to read tea leaves here, but I just have a feeling like Michael Carter and him are jiving. I don't know why, but um, I draft a Banacanda the most because I think he's like a poor he's, man. He's like kind of he, well, he's like kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. And but you know you just never know with Rogers. Um, Joe Mixon. Well, Travion Williams got hurt, so I think it is going to be. He's Chase back. At, Brown. He's, at, he's back at practice in pads yesterday. I don't think he was practicing, but he he's back at practice. Um, Chase Brown, athletic freak. Chris Evans still there. Also athletic. I think he's probably not going to make the team. Couldn't you just see him be the third down back? Like, yeah, you could. I, I'm like researching. Like, I'm going on Twitter, typing in Chase Brown. I've seen a couple runs. I draft Chase Brown the most because he is also really athletic and I like betting against Joe Mixon, but I realized it could be a total zero. Um, it could be. 
But it t- you know uh, it takes guts to take these like I was taking Zamir in the twentieth when he would go undrafted and now he's in the sixteenth, right? Yes. Um. So that's the Bengals. Then who else do we have left? We have the Rams. Yeah, yeah, it's it's totally Kyron Williams, right? Remember, remember the fucking Schefter tweet. People have totally memory hold this. Schefter tweeted before week one last year, Rams-Bills first game. He said, I'm starting Kyron Williams in my 16-team dynasty <laughs> league. Like I, like I, like, like Schefter knew something. And then Kyron Williams got a high ankle sprain on his very first NFL snap and missed eight weeks. But the Cam Akers stuff, I've gone back and forth on Akers. I've been like, oh, Akers is a league winner. Oh, Akers sucks. They want to cut. Very similar to the Rams, actually, where the Rams have been like, we're going to waive him if we can't trade him. Wait, actually, no, we are going to play him every snap for like three straight games. So Kyron Williams for me. I've been the same way where, like, I mean, the Cam Cam Akers stuff is so weird where it's like, I mean, he exploded to end the year, but at the same time, like, he like did that against like the Broncos who they didn't even like quiet quit. They like loudly quit playing defense. And then it seems like him and McVay like hate each other every other week. And so I previously was drafting Zach Evans as just like, you know, athletic dude. Kyron Williams is not, but Kyron Williams has been catching passes in practice. It seems like he'll at worst be third down back. And remember Cam Akers got like Stafford blown up a lot in pass protection. I saw a report again about that. So I've been taking Kyron as like a confident, like I don't think he has nearly the upside to some of these other RB2s, right? Like Zamir White or Chase Brown has like way more upside. But Kyron seems like a guy in a role we don't really see anymore in like that James White role where it's like he could catch five, six balls, fall in the end zone. So I've been taking a lot more Kyron with confidence before just getting ahead of that news cycle where I think he could be declared the two. Um, I guess there's actually two more running back rooms we need to touch on. They don't have as much appeal, but uh, the Cardinals, it's Marlon Mack or it's... Um, it's it's Ingram. Room. It's Ingram. Yeah, I mean, me, I'm there too. Obviously, it's just like hard to see how that even helps you. And then um, the Bucks, there it's... Um, Sean Tucker or Chase Edmonds, I think is the. That, that feels, doesn't that feel like a veteran spot too? Like it to just me, feels like a stay away spot, but yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, I guess I would, I guess I'd roll with Sean Tucker if I had to, I guess Tucker, like, I don't know. Tucker could like maybe theoretically be the starter. Like Edmonds has like no chance of doing that. I would no, guess we, we already tried that in fantasy. Um, yeah. Oh, and I guess, you know, like this isn't a starting one, but the Chiefs running back room is so weird between Pacheco, McKinnon. This, this is how Prince. this how is how it's going to go down. This is how it's going to go down. They're all four going to be active because Prince is going to be the kick returner. He's going to be a core four special teamer. McKinnon is barely going to play for the first eight weeks of the season. Same as last year. Clyde is going to get the McKinnon snaps. Pacheco is going to get the Pacheco snaps. Same as last year there's going to be false hope that Clyde is actually finally doing it. And then when the games start to matter, Clyde is going to be Ronald Jones from last year. He's going to be a healthy scratch. And then they're going to start using McKinnon again. It's exactly. You didn't mention Pacheco at all. So yeah, Pacheco, Pacheco gets normal 12 to 15 carries a game, 
two, three targets. Like it's going to be in the same role he was in last year. It's like not that valuable of a role. That's okay. I mean, I, it just seems like it would be poetic if CEH after the community finally gave up on him smashes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I draft the most of McKinnon of that group. I don't draft too much Pacheco. I do think he could sun run on touchdowns. Um, and I don't know, like if the wide receiver group is rougher than they think, maybe they lean more on McKinnon early too, if they, ha- if they have to. Um, should we move on to league winner wideouts and tight ends and then get out of here? Yes, let's do it. So let's each just uh, nominate a couple of the wide receivers. Um, I think league winning wide receivers is kind of tough this year, right? Because guys who would have been like sort of later round picks in years past are so ju- like great example would be Jackson Smith and Jigba two years ago would have been an 11th round pick. Now you are paying through the, the, the fucking teeth for him. So uh, I'll do an, a very easy one, but Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers is, is I think pretty clearly the one where he could kind of have this combination, deep threat, gadget, touchdown, heavy role in what should be like a very exciting version of the uh, Lamar Jackson Ravens offense. So Zay Flowers goes in the late seventh. Should we try to pick one from like uh, different pockets of the draft? So like I'll pick a guy in the seventh and then we pick a guy in the like 12th round and then a guy late we like, something like that? Sure, yeah. All right. Um. All right, so Zay, a guy in the seventh for me, you know, I like Zay Flowers too. Jason only around, more expensive. I guess I'll go with like, between like, Addison and Quentin Johnston, um, Michael Th- Michael Thomas. I'm gonna go with Michael Quentin Thomas. Johnston, um, where it's like if the Chargers are morphing into this downfield passing offense, which there's been a lot of buzz about, it feels like that has to be a boost to Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston, right? Where um, I don't know, like r- rumors at camp is that Johnston and Palmer could split playing time, but you know, like the choices in this round are like. Jordan Addison, George Pickens, Mike Evans, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Michael Thomas, Sky Moore. Like it, it gets gross pretty quick here. So I'd roll the dice on the rookies or um, like Brandon Cooks. I could see having a good year too. He just like ran hot on touchdowns. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks I like. Uh, I mean, I actually think his teammate Michael Gallup is also a potential answer to this question. Because he was, I mean, according to him, he could not walk last year uh, heading into training camp. So, like, he seems way far ahead. Uh, I will go a little bit later, more in the double-digit rounds. I'll I'll, I'll take Nico Collins. Um, I mean, he goes very high on drafters. So, maybe, that, like, I, I'll, and I'll substitute um, Jacoby Myers for that, where basically if the Raiders are forced to throw 650 times, Honestly, I think all of the Raiders wide receivers, if they're forced to throw that much, can be good at their cost. Like, I think Adams, Myers, and Renfro can all pay off because they've got uh, almost no one else to throw to. And it's unclear how much Meyer is going to play. Like, I just haven't heard that much on him at training camp. But definitely Nico. I mean, Nico was out-targeting Brandon Cooks last year. Even if Brandon Cooks was quiet quitting, still, like, his role was encouraging. And if, you know, if if... Stroud is fine. Like if he's like a good rookie quarterback, like a C minus NFL quarterback, but a B plus rookie quarterback, like he's going to drag along 
two of these guys to good fantasy seasons. I was really in on Nico when he was cheap, and I'm just finding it. Like, I don't click his name anymore now that he's in the 10th and 11th. It's like I'm comfortable that my bags are packed on round 14, 15, 16 round Nico Collins, right? Like, I got a lot. Like, he was like one of my most drafted players back then. I'm not drafting him over these quarterbacks and running backs in this range now, just how I build my teams usually. Um, it could be a thing, though, where it's like, that's just kind of how I approach my portfolio. Like I liked Ramondre when he was cheap and then last year I didn't draft him. And it's like, well, actually sometimes players rise for a reason, right? Because like the market gets sharper. So I definitely like his potential. I just think he's getting close to way too expensive. Um, I'll go a little bit cheaper where it's like this range of guys of like MBS, DPJ, uh, Mingo, Chark, or like Isaiah Hodgins, like, like don't MBS say, don't could... say, do not say Isaiah Hodgins to me. <laughs> well, like MVS or DPJ could just run real hot on some deep touchdowns. Um, could be a great sign for MVS that he's only competing with Sky Moore and Justin Watson and Justin Ross for touches, right? So it's like in a season where Travis Kelsey goes down, he almost like de facto has to be used more. Um I mean, maybe Sky Moore is just like way better than I'm thinking. He he was like really brutal last year. He's a guy I, I want to get more of. Like I, I am afraid being underweight, but it just kind of happened that way. So I, I like that range. But I'll, I'll say MBS is just like the forgotten chief. He gets paid a lot of money. We know Mahomes has a deep arm. Maybe teams stop playing cover two as much if like, and they decide that, you know what? You're not going to be as with Travis Kelsey. You're going to have to have MBS catch a ball and he, and he does it. Um yeah. And then how about how about some uh late All right, round? Dark? Really really late. There's For couple... me it, for me it was like Darius Slayton where Slayton Slayton it was going to be my answer and then I also want to mention Rashid Shahid. I mean I think Shahid could be sick. Like assuming I think Michael... you should be buying the injury dip on him. Oh, I didn't he... even I didn't even know he was injured, but I don't even care. I just take him all the time. He's falling because he got hurt, but he should be fine for week 1. Definitely, yeah, Shahid is just like a cheaper version of MBS and DPJ, just on, you know, a different offense. Uh, Slayton was just like, you know, this guy's going to play outside wide receiver. He, you know, 700 yards, run hotter on touchdowns, starting wide receiver production. But I also think it's worth rolling the dice on some of these Tank Dells, some of these guys like this in these like ambiguous situations. Um, Previously, this was like Justin Ross. Now he's gotten more expensive. Um, Richie Richie James, man. Richie James can Richie be the James. answer to who who gets 60 receptions that we had no idea was going to get them on the Chiefs. Yeah, but the, you, you should not roll the dice on someone like Mac Hollins on drafters, right? Like, like Mac Hollins might have a game where he goes four catches for 60 yards, but you, you just roll the dice on any other profile than than that with Desmond Ritter probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, tight end, very easy for me. There are two answers. Kyle Pitts is obvious. Uh, you know, he just does what he does as a rookie, but scores five touchdowns instead of one. And that's it's very simple. And then Jake Ferguson, that they are Jake Ferguson is so easy, dude. He's the easiest click in fantasy football to me. For my expensive guy, I'll go with Waller. Um, 
I just think, you know, there's a real potential that Waller just absolutely smashes. Like, I think in the seasons where he, like, he could be the engine of that offense with a great OC, an improving quarterback. They have better weapons. Um, another year in the system. I could see Waller, you know, north of 1,000 yards, north of 10 touchdowns. Absolutely, like, he goes after Goddard usually. Um, he goes after Pitts usually. Dallas Goddard is like the worst click. That that's how I feel, but I I don't know. I'm warming to him a little bit. Um, Kincaid is another guy for me where I just think it's absolutely worth rolling the dice. Where, you know, this sounds insane, but like in a season where Gabe Davis gets less use targets, it's not impossible Kincaid approached a thousand yards and ten touchdowns. It's unlikely, right? Like you know, probably be closer to that like six hundred range um reports have been incredibly positive and i just think that like the narrative of like rookie tight ends don't produce is like has all sorts of holes in it where it neglects the fact of the quarterbacks that used to play with these guys it neglects that the cover two era could be the best era ever to be a tight end um, and all these tight ends are just like falling into usage and then on ferguson i agree with you if we knew he was the starter he's like way too cheap but I am concerned about Luke Schoenmacher, who they took in the second round. He's back yeah, at practice. Well, it's it's Tuesday, August 8th, and he's played with the first team like once. I, I'm he, not worried about it. He's been on the injured list. He just got off NFI. It's not going to be shocking if you don't take a guy in the second round with no plan at all. Um, another cheap guy for me would just be Musgrave. Just a athletic freak falling into usage. You know, Could definitely dust Romeo Dobbs for targets, guys like that. And if Jordan Love is better than we think, which I think he has the potential to be, um, you know, just hits the ground running. He could, also, he could to be, be like clear, teams Laporta. teams do take guys in the second round with no plan all the time. I just want I just want that on the record. I was not going to let you get away <laughs> with that one. Like they like they just click it, they just click the button, and they're like, "We'll figure it out later." But they they run the out of the timer and they just auto to Luke Schoonmacher. Yes, literally. I mean, it sounds. The Cowboy stuff, what it sounds like is they really wanted Michael Meyer or uh, Dalton Kincaid, and then they thought, like, oh, that's way too expensive. We'll just get we'll get whoever falls, and then every good tight end fell, but they were like, should we really need a tight didn't end? Didn't Mayer go after? Didn't Mayer go in the third? No. Mayer was, like, pick 55, I think. I thought he went after Schumacher. 35th overall pick. Oh, yeah, okay. Schumacher yeah. draft pick. He was the he was the sixth tight end off the board, which Second most round. years which most years for rookie tight ends like the sixth tight end that doesn't even get drafted like we don't even know his name. Well, not true because he went ahead of where Trey McBride went in in the year before and uh, Dulcich, right? Well, those guys I are mean, both third round guys. Yeah, no, you're you you are right. I just am saying. Um, I don't give a shit about Luke. I'm just, I'm the only guy who drafts Schumacher, but I'm very happy to be literally have like two to 3% of a guy that no one else does and not going to be impossible for him to fall into like a tight end 12 season. If he is the, if he is sure. the guy, that's fair. All right, dude, let's get out of here. Um, tell the people what to look out for. Uh, Chaos surfing, how to join the discord. All the good <laughs> stuff, buddy. We, we may, we might be changing the, the brand name. Uh, you can follow kinda, me on Twitter. See, I, I kind of like it. Honestly, I do. I think it's a good one, but I don't know. Like, should I have the word best ball football in the name? I don't know. So we'll, we'll... I, I, you know what? You probably should. 
So we'll 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 revisit that. Davis and I will talk off uh off camera for brand strategies. But you can follow me on Twitter at Chess Liam. My YouTube channel is just Liam Murphy. Probably have to add fantasy football to find me. Uh gonna Probably. launch a site soon. Yeah, there we go. All right, everyone, we're getting out of here. Make sure you're following Liam. Make sure you're subscribed to his YouTube and uh, the link to sign up to drafters if you're interested is in the description to this show later. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.